I fell into a ring of fire. I fell in. Hello and welcome to Fever FM. Tonight we're talking the men's game versus MacArthur and the women's game versus Western. I don't know what to, which one to start with tonight, gents, because they were supposed to start at the same time. Uh, Dale, Dave, how good's a lightning storm? <laughs> it's funny everyone talks about how great uh, Australia's weather is, but every time there's an A-League game on in Sydney, it just seems to be raining all the time in summer. Yeah. Yeah. If you've ever experienced a Sydney rain, it's not so much rain as just like these buckets of water poured over you at random. It's just, I've never come across fat rain like that in my life. I can't imagine what it's like to try and play football, especially when you're playing on a pitch that's been used for two rugby league games the day before. Yeah. Well, to to be honest, during the delays, there were a lot of people on various social media Essentially, hoping this is going to get called off, right? We knew we were missing a lot of bodies. Me, it was an absolute, it was an absolute panic, and you're thinking, wouldn't it be great to delay this by a week? Wouldn't that <laughs> be fantastic for us? So, you know, uh, yeah, uh, yeah, you, you exactly right, that Dave. Um, we had Rufa out, crocked himself in the warm up. Um, I'm not sure which warm up he crocked himself in because they were warming up repeatedly. Apparently, uh, Sam something was out anyway. Tim Payne out, Bodijar Kryev out, Pennington out. So that's five starters. We've got Zavada, who's still just kind of coming back on the bench. Uh, we did get um, uh, Houston Salas onto the bench as well, but that starting lineup of Paulson Kelly Heald, Isaac Hughes, the man in, uh, Wooten Sermon, Oscar Van Hattam, uh, starting as was Ben Old, as was Finn Conchi, Alte, Ball, and Barbarusis. That is a raw looking lineup, Dale. Yeah, it's sort of bare bones, really, isn't it? I think uh, I think we had a little guess about what the starting lineup was after we heard was it Cryev and Pennington went down, trying to guess what the uh, starting lineup. And I think most people kind of thought it'd be a bit of a five-three-two-ish with. Um, Oscar Van Hattam playing right wing back, and it turned out to be the, the case. I mean, it's what we did against uh, Brisbane, I think, when we had a bunch of players out. Worked for the most part there, and um, that worked exquisitely well um, uh, the other, other night. It, did, did it, Dale, or were they just a bit hot trash? Yeah, I think there's two parts to this. Their back line is hot trash. Mm. So I was always confident we, we might create a couple of chances, and there's a possibility there but I mean I think anytime you have you know an opposition that has Davila in it you always yeah it's always a high risk uh yeah there was a high risk chance that out of nothing something will happen and he almost did it a couple of times so they do have some some fairly decent um, quality up top you know Jermaine's pretty handy up there but you know for the second game we pretty much cut off his supply lines you know Lewis can play a decent ball and did it a couple of times too so there's always a, a risk from their attacking point of view, it just seems like they spent the entire Sally crap on the on the front half of the pitch and and the goalkeeper and nothing in the in the back line because their defending in this game was was 
at times comical. Um, and it has been at different points this season. And, and that's why I just, I just can't see how they can be anywhere yeah, contending for the, t- for the title because there's only so much that Davila can drag that team through a season. Yeah, I think it's safe to say Davila, uh, is it Jed Drew on the right-hand side? Yeah. Looked very sharp. But when they got shut down, Jesus, it was just an aerial bombardment, which seemed remarkably strange considering you had our entire back line, a good head taller than all of theirs, and Jermaine trying to operate against at least two centre-backs and no one else in there. And they just kept throwing that ball up in the air for our guys to head like they were just trying to give them a concussion from heading the ball too much. Yeah, I think as the game won, I think just got you know, more and more desperate. Yeah, moved away from what, what potentially could work. Yeah, I think, was it just after halftime, I think, Lewis put in a couple of dangerous balls towards the back post to kind of try to expose Van Hattem a little bit and, and did it, you know, a couple of times. But then, yeah, I think we are probably, I think we made a few sort of changes around there and put a bit more pressure on Lewis and that supply line dried up. And then after that, it was pot yeah. shots from, from distance. Um, yeah, you can talk about having like a thousand chances, but yeah, most of them are very low, low chances. It's the same with us the, the whole season, really. It almost didn't start the way we hoped. Uh, very, um, a very interesting VAR check for a potential pe- penalty in that first five minutes. Not given. Um, how to describe this? The ball was uh, bouncing out from the goal line, effectively. Sermon went to kick it. Jermaine came from behind him and stuck his boot in front of Sermon. Sermon potentially kicked his boot before the ball. Ref gave no penalty. VAR um, fell on that side of it too. How did you see it, Dave? I mean, I thought he got the ball first. I, I, yeah. I mean, the player comes around him and it gets in an awkward spot, but I don't think, I don't think Sermon touches the attacker until after he's got a tie on the ball. For me, it was a pretty clear cut decision. Um, I didn't think it was that controversial at all. I can, I can see why it was well worth having a look at. Because live, you thought, oh, that could be interesting. But on the replays, I thought it was reasonably clear. What about you, Dale? Yeah, fairly similar. I mean, I mean, if you're talking like split seconds, like not even a frame about who got to the ball first, I think, yeah, there's no way you're overturning whatever that, you know, that call. Um, I don't think it's a, I don't think it's a foul. I think, I, I think what, I think Jermaine, gets his sort of foot across because I think he knows what he's trying to do, right? He's trying to dive in there and, mm. and, and draw yeah. the foul. I just don't think he gets the gets yeah. the ball, uh, which I think is, is sort of one yeah. of your first checks is did he actually get the ball because he's not really playing for it. He just kind of just throwing his leg into the path. Um, so I, I can kind of see how VAR would, would throw you down to their check, but there's nothing conclusive to say that, you know, Jermaine got the ball and was then kicked afterwards yeah i think um even the commentary were saying you know if the ref doesn't give this var is not overturning it well no they were they were very confident it was going to be a penalty weren't they um they they were saying it was a penalty but it won't uh, not long after that they said well yeah if you can see if the ref doesn't give it then var is not going to say it's it's going to be one of those ones that you'd overturn i mean the the the, the review went on for so long just the longer yeah. it goes, the the less yeah. yeah clear it can be. I mean, what we got to me is like 
the almost complete lack of of indication of what was happening afterwards by the referee. He just kind of like jogs over yep. and picks up the ball. At some point, I think Paulson looks to set up a wall or something. And I'm like, what has the ref said to indicate that it's not just like a drop ball? And then they try to contest the drop ball. And he's like, no, no, go away. So there's like all these people crowding around. And the ref should just yep. go like, drop ball, you know, Phoenix. And there's just kind of like various confusions about what's actually happening. Yeah, yeah, it was very weird. It was somewhat um, put into light uh, 20-odd minutes later. Bit of a to-and-fro tussle before this. But uh, Kelly Heal breaking his way into the box, picking up a ball, going towards the goal line, beating his marker, and then it's Uzcock, isn't it, that sticks his boot in? Yeah. I couldn't see a replay that showed any contact, but I'll be honest, Knowing Uzcock the way he is, I just assume he kicks someone. It's just a natural assumption that he's not actually even trying for the ball. He's just going to kick someone anyway. I'm being a bit cynical here, but yeah. is that what the ref saw as well? It's just like, oh, it's Uzcock. The guy's gone down. Yeah, of course he kicked him. I don't know. No one seemed to complain too much about this from what I saw. It, 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 yeah, it just seems to be a dumb penalty to give away, really. He's going nowhere. He's not exactly a massive attacking threat, even though it's relatively close to goal. You're much better to be marking off as options to lay it off to someone than you are to put a boot through his leg, you know? Like it's yeah, it's just not how you would coach to defend this at all. I, I wanna bring up something the commentary said in light of that whole you know, the VAR wouldn't overturn it. In this case the ref did give the penalty and they were still complaining about it. I'm like they were saying, Oh, they're equal, they're equal and I'm like, Well, you've just said VAR wouldn't overturn that one. So why would they overturn this yeah. one? Yeah, and I think that's right. Like, I'm not convinced it's a foul. I haven't seen anything to indicate that there's... Yeah, I mean, contact happens. I don't think all contact should be, you know, should be a foul. And, and I, I think Kelly Hill is, is yeah. definitely looking looking for it. The ball's basically over the line. I'm not sure there's that much contact to force him to fall to the ground as quickly as he did. I think we would probably be upset if that was asked flip side is like there's no indication that there wasn't contact i think there is some contact and i think at that stage you're going with the rest call i think is, is pretty much what vars sort of story is I, yep. yeah i can see why you'd be annoyed if the, if you were the coach of that team however i would say before it gets to that point it, and coming back to how bad the defenders are lucas kelly healed between where he starts and where the ball is there is a defender in between the two that defender i think it's jed drew just needs to stand his ground Kelly Head will probably like roll up, you know, fall into the back of him or win a free kick. What Drew does is he pulls away and gives Kelly Heald a free run to the ball at which Uzcock's coming across, doesn't quite reach it in time, and therefore that's where the, the sort of contact happens. You can blame the ref all you like, but that is actually criminal defending because you just need to like use your body, draw a foul and reset, but they they absolutely butchered that whole that whole segment. Yeah, you make a valid point. It's not like Kelly Heald did anything magic to to get the ball back i can yeah like i say i think you could be upset if having it called if you've done everything in your power to defend that to the best you know to the best way possible yeah. but you haven't so i'm kind of like well can you really stand your ground on that um with uh no roofer to take the penalty uh costa got his opportunity and i must admit the history of costa and penalties for the phoenix um did cross my mind, but he sold it at home quite confidently. Um, 
beat Curto, who's not a bad wee keeper. 1-0 up, early doors. This is kind of what Chiefy wanted, right? To be able to get 1-0 up and then just set up a fort back in front of the, the um, goal box and just wait till they fluff their lines. Is there anything that Chiefy would have wanted apart from another goal? Clean sheet. Yeah, it, I mean, it, it worked enough. It's exactly what you'd want to happen, right? Is is make force them to, to make the play, hit them on the yeah. counter. You know, they're not the most mobile back line. Uh, and we did it a few times, you know, later uh, in, in the second half. But, and that's not to say, like, if the ref hadn't given this, this game, we'd end up any differently because I still feel that that balance is still there. You know, MacArthur still have to make the play. You know, they're the home side. Um, so I still think the opportunities still would have presented themselves, even if we weren't one 0 up going to that second half. Yeah, yeah, and I think I think coming into this game with the squad issues we had and all of that, we would have come home pretty happy with the point, right? Coming into this, yep. I, you know, Chiefy would always love more, but he would have been very happy to walk away with an L all draw here. Whereas home team aren't going to be happy with an L all draw against a team that are depleted and there for the taking, right? So as you say, I think it, all the pressure was on them before kickoff, and and the goal only increases that. I find, yeah, I mean, you're spot on with the call about the defence, Dale. Um, and Dave, you're right. But you've got to be thinking you're getting a goal when you know that their centre-backs are Uzcock and German, who their discipline with card, with fouls isn't, isn't high and their discipline with their positioning is pretty rancid. At times I was wondering if Uzcock or German had... Um, had just um, been swapped around with a you know with a midfielder because they were up so high or out and out and about and you're like, are you meant to still be a centre back? You just kind of doing whatever. You saw someone you might need a good kicking out there and I think their discipline and I don't mean that in fouls way, but just you know maintaining position and all that just really got summarised and when was it German had that shot from like 40 yards and it went about 30 yards yep. wide and 20, 20 yards high and I'm like and that was you know a long way out and just like I think it just summed up like because I think that was kind of later in the second in the first half I think it maybe just summed yep. up how frustrated they were getting because they had some ball but they basically created nothing in that first half you when you saw that I was thinking oh yeah we've got them now hmm. uh, surely the players on the field were just like yep this is it if they're taking a shot from there, they don't know what they're doing. It kind of implies they don't really have much of a game plan. If you've scouted a team and you know what their weaknesses are or how they play, you're like, right, this is what you're going to do in this situation, yada, yada, yada. But when you see a central defender trying to smash a shot in for 40 yards, when there's you know, 10 defenders in the way and a goalkeeper, it just kind of thinks that perhaps there's not much you know, tactics going on there. Yeah, and I think as well, if you if you just step right back and look pure high-level stats, right, there are two teams that have both 30-plus in the goals for and against category, and it's MacArthur and it's Perth, and they're at very opposite ends of the table, right? So to me, there, there might be an element of that just riding their luck too, you know? If you just score enough goals, sometimes you'll come away with the points, even if you're shipping a shitload at the other end, and that's very much the space they're sitting in, whereas Perth, very similar on the goals for and against stats, but they're not turning into wins often enough because the luck's just not going their way. Um, so I think I think it's interesting that they're they're the two teams, and one seems to be maybe getting a little of the rub of the green, but probably that corrects itself come uh, run into the end of the season. I would think I don't I don't see them 
continuing to ride this high on the table without something more coherent coming together, right? It's a very valid point, Dave. There's, I mean, we don't need Davila and Lewis and Drew kind of looking dangerous. You've got to think that any other team that sees that is just kind of going, okay, we man-mark them in, the, in these particular positions. Otherwise, we just sit back and wait until they screw something up. There was a couple of opportunities, um, but nothing concrete. It, but it did, uh, I think you used the word comfortable last week, Dale. It just felt that again, right? We had it under control. We didn't have the ball. We were parked in our goal box, but it didn't feel like it was anything, even a vague threat. The, the times when we did look a little bit susceptible, when it was a little bit due to our own doing, like I think, couple of our players gave the ball away yeah, in, a, in a couple of areas under not, not a lot of pressure. I know Van Hadwin did one in particular, had a shocking touch and I think it fell to Davila and kind of tried to, and then I think Conchie did a couple as well. There were times when they had an opportunity to, to transition when they won the ball high up but they you know, they, they didn't really do it with much consistency. They, they seemed to just take their time and always let us set ourselves up defensively which I, th- I thought's a little bit of a strange one I think. Surely you try create you know a reverse transition right when when we've pushed forward and you try do it on the reverse but they they didn't seem to really want to move the ball too quickly. No, you mentioned Conchi there and the the letting us set up again reminded me there was a situation where Conchi I think he got beaten by the fullback and because he, he dived in and then he got back again because the guy wandered off a bit didn't didn't move the ball and didn't progress it. And then he beat Conchi again, and they still got nothing out of it. It's like you've, you've beaten a player twice, and you still can't get any, you know, possibility. It defied logic how how ponderous they were with the ball at times. Like there was that tactic I think they started using at the beginning of the second half, where they'd just kind of roll it into the six yard box, the eighteen yard box, go, oh, nothing on here, push it back to Clayton Lewis, who just slap in a. a um, a curling cross from, you know, 25, 30 out to see, you know, see what happens. And for the most part, you know, our back line stood up to that. Um, and I thought Hughes had another excellent game. Hmm. Slotted in there effortlessly. Uh, won lots of headers, some couple of good blocks um, as well. Yeah, yeah, I, I'd agree. I thought Hughes was very good. I, I was a little disappointed with Conchie. He, like, he got around the field a bit, but he made it quite a few mistakes mistakes which i guess he's young he's playing midfield he's probably pretty tired yeah i th- i think maybe the pace of the game catches him a couple of times i think there's a couple of times where he yeah. sort of just dwells on it like takes two or three touches when before trying to move it and i think he got caught a couple of times in position david i mean i, I want to get your opinion on this um because i think that when we we play this high efficiency game where we try to progress the ball quickly and we have to play this very disciplined defensive. It doesn't suit young players that, um, you know, because if you make a mistake, it becomes quite critical. If you make a defensive mistake in your goal box or you give away a pass. Dave, how do you think some of those younger players actually fitted in and played? It's an interesting one because, as you say, there's there's a lot of discipline to what we're asking them to do, but there's also a decent amount of kind of freedom to it too. It is a relatively fluid system there is a lot of a lot of people covering each other as as movement occurs and all of that and I think 
clearly with the academy set up and the way that Chief has been working with these guys for a number of years, and, and I think just the type of coach he is, he gives them coming into games a lot of confidence to not dwell on the mistakes would be my impression. You know, you don't see the kids out there muff one pass and, and suddenly their head's down and they're out of the game for five minutes. That's that's not the vibe I get at all from any of the players at any point. They seem to go out there, you know, pe- people like um, Kelly Heald, you know, we would argue and we're, and we're talking about it when he first kind of got dropped into that role that he was he was going to be a long way out of his depth and it was going to be a big step up. But he, from day one, looked up to up to scratch. And I would say, even though some of those young guys maybe aren't showing quite enough yet. We've never seen one go out there and have an absolute shocker and look out of their depth, right? They all look like they're showing something and maybe we just want a little more. So I would say I take a bit of confidence from the fact that Chiefy seems to know what he's doing with these kids, even when his hand is forced a little like it was this time. Um, He's still putting out players who are more than up to the job and know the system well enough and know the players around them well enough that they slot in in a respectable fashion, if not immediately at the quality of, you know, the first team players. But I think as well, you look at this, you know, the the players in the back there, you know, guys like Hughes had good games. Um, I think they, they kind of got that opportunity through the tactics MacArthur were using, whereas Conchie maybe was a little more exposed. But you look at the quality of midfield he's up against. I think a lot of people would struggle in that midfield, right? And that's that's you coming in as a young guy starting, you know, starting a game against a quality, quality midfield there. So I think you'd expect to see him feel that feel that pace of the game and feel that pressure a bit more than than Hughes, who's sitting in a different position and doesn't have them all over him all game, right? They're just looping in headers and, you know, do what you gotta do. So yeah, but I, I find I find it very strange that they were willing to just loop headers at our at our defense. When when you've got that quality of, you know, DeVilla and Clayton and and the midfield they've got, do you really believe your goals are coming from you know, curled crosses onto a head. It just it, it just seems a bit strange that that's the one thing you've got when you're up against a defense that's looking a bit solid. I would have thought you'd look to keep your possession outside the box there, work it around, wait for openings, play some one-twos, get in behind, you know, some of that sort of play rather than the just hoof it at defense and let them head it away. But it is what it is. They did get in behind and had him a couple of times. And like, if you saw your starting 11, that starting 11, if you're not targeting winger stash striker playing it right right wing back, I don't know what you're yep. doing as a coach. Exactly. Because they did it a couple of times and I think was it Holland that plays out on the left, I think. Yeah, he's a pretty handy player and but I think nothing came of it. Like I think we had a bit of cover. So this is when you try to get him behind and you're cutting balls back and you're hoping mm. you know, you get you're hoping for lazy defending that they don't track runners and stuff like that. Which is kind of a little bit how they got their a little bit how they got their goal. But it seems a much more productive route to goal than trying to go down the guts. You're trying to, you know, you need to try to spread these players wide, yeah. get in behind, not like right in behind, but making, you know, making defenders run towards their own goal, which is much harder to, to, to track, you know, late runs into the box. Yeah. Agreed. And, and it just didn't seem like the kind of primary tactic, which I would have thought it would have been given the lineups that surely should have been first first route of production with a few other strings to the bow but it, yeah it seemed to be a little less than that uh considering the um the way i mean deville is listed as is one of their forwards and you know that he's going to basically play in at 10 anyway you've just got jermaine in there if we're playing a back five so three center backs who are all a foot taller than it does 
and you've got Bernardo on one side, Jed Drew on the other, Davila, Lewis, and Holman in the middle. Uh, it seems like a a real weird tactic, but possibly forced by Chiefy's tactics. We saw the game start to break up a little bit. This is where I, I found it even more t- baffling as far as tactics go. You know that you've got Ben Old out there, Costa out there, and that they're just going to be looking to hit you on the counter. And yet you open up, you turn over the ball and leave them open space constantly. It was the number of times that they made, that Old and Costa made runs that were, you know, between the two of them, 60, 70 metres, getting in, getting an opportunity. Kudo had to do a couple of nice bits of work just to shut that down and stop the game getting killed off. But Jesus, it was naive by uh, MacArthur. I mean, you know that those guys have got it in their wheelhouse and they're rapid. So it just seemed really weird that you would just leave yourself so open. You would give free ball into the centre backs, the Phoenix centre backs, and then just leave the centre of the field open or leave old open and Costa open. How did you feel about their their efficiency in taking those opportunities? Did you think that that was that was that they did okay, and it was just Curto having a good one? The 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 one that old had when he had his left footed and put it over the bar from from right and basically right in front, I think was the 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 one obvious one that should be a goal, needs to be a goal, and if it was, it would have it would have killed them. The other ones I think were a, a, yeah not as, as good a chance. I think Costa had one that was sort of smothered by Curto, but the flag had had um, Lino had flagged for offside. Yeah. Whether it was offside or not, who knows? But yeah, there there are, and then there was another break where Costa played it back to Old, who who just looked like he had a bit of a tired shot straight at the Curto, but. Yeah, they, they didn't seem to really want to... Like, there was just a couple of times where the ball just sort of fell into midfield and it just happened to fall to old with no one around him. And I'm like, surely you just get tight to him. If he gets past you, you drag him down. Like, this is in their own half. Like, yeah. you take the yellow card, but they just kind of have 20 minutes of space and then he's he's you know, he's got the acceleration to just to open the open those games up. And, you know, I think that's the, that's the benefit of what old brings in these kind of games though, is, is the, the ability to turn quick and accelerate past and just leave them leave them for dust. You mentioned, you know, as far as targeting OVH at that right back position, surely as well as one of your tactics is they're going to just look to hit us on the counter. Old starting, Costa's starting, they've got wheels, let's not give them a chance to get in behind us. It, yeah, as you say, very, very naive. And we saw that basically come to fruition in the end. Um, Costa managing to bundle a ball over after a nice little bit of interplay between um, David Ball and then a nice volley back across by um, Ben Old. I, I thought it was going to be, a, the first time I watched it, I thought it was just, oh, it's going to be a penalty because the ball couldn't possibly get over the line from there. And I can't remember who the defender was that just went right through the back of Costa. It seemed to get overlooked a bit. It's like all of a sudden Costa's lying on his back with a defender basically at his ankles. But he still managed to get a boot on it and absolutely ruin Curto with no real rights to. I mean, it's like it must be gutting as a keeper, and I'm going to throw this for both of you guys, when you've been keeping your team in the game, the defence is kind of just in tatters, and then a striker does that just reaches out while on the ground and just taps it past you. 
yeah, he, he did very well with the second the second effort. He, he kind of got a drag back, half tackled, whatever it was, and a, a half touch on it towards goal. And it looks like it's going straight to Kirtle, and then he just hooks his foot around it to slide it past him. It was very well, I guess, recognised the the situation. Yeah, it could be easy just to kind of let it go and appeal for the you know the penalty or whatever. But again, like like the first goal, just absolutely terrible defending. And Costas like started five yards in front of the the three defenders, MacArthur defenders in the box, and he just walks past them all and they don't even know he's there. I just don't know how you just aren't paying attention, ball watching and not paying attention to where anyone is or looking where the dangerous channels are or anything like that. Like, we have no right to score this goal. Excellent finish from a, you know, a tap-in, but this should not be scored 99% of the time. I, I had this very same discussion with uh, over 45s Masters practice how this was not this was not good enough to just let strikers be strolling in. It's like if it's not good enough for us, I'm going to go out on a limb and say it's not good enough for professional players. Dave, should Curto have been absolutely losing his nut at his defenders? Oh, I mean, yes. As a as a keeper, there are there are some goals that you know there's nothing you could have done, and the lads in front of you should have dealt with. This is one of those. How how you as a keeper choose to express that, whether that's screaming your head off in the heat of the moment or just letting the, the boys sit in the pile of shit they've created for themselves is up to you as a keeper, right? Sometimes you don't need to say it. They already know. So, but yeah, I think I think Curto walks away from this knowing that one's not on him. Yeah, yeah, it's a, it's a tough call on him, but, you know, he could have just stayed with us. Uh, he, he, would, he, would, he wouldn't make our starting. Not now, no, no. But he would have been in front of Sale beforehand if he'd stayed. And Marinovic. Oh, God, yes. <laughs> I've forgotten about him. We did see some very noticeable, uh, notable subs. Uh, the uh, debut of Euston Sellis. We saw also um, uh, Sheridan come on as well um, for Van Hedem and Conchi. Um, we also saw Zavada. Good seeing uh, Zavada back, but let's talk Salas because I thought that was a that was a very interesting debut. Dale, you and I were having a wee chat beforehand. The kids, are, this kid is electrically quick, isn't he? Yeah, I uh, think looks like it's pretty quick off the off the blocks. I mean, energetic as you would expect on your on your debut and coming in late and latish into a game. Um, I think he definitely provided something we needed at that stage. I think we we're starting to lose a little bit in there and maybe Conchie was tiring a little bit. Nice to be able to have some, some midfield to put him on because we didn't have much at the start of the start of the game, but yeah, looked, looked a pretty handy acquisition so far. Um, yeah. For 30 minutes or so. Dave, uh, how did you feel as he started? Um, but also how do you, how did you feel about his um, propensity to get quite horizontal? I uh, I don't know. I, I won't comment on that. But I, I I think he looks he looks like a good player. I think you know we haven't thirty minutes is not a lot of time to show where you're at. Especially we'll, we'll assume he's not starting because there's still a match fitness issue or you know just blending in with the squad, blending in with the tactics. But there, there looks to be some good enterprise there, some good technical ability. I I think yeah, looks looks good. Can't wait to see more. That that uh, last minute Davila header that he almost pinched it. Um, Salas was putting a hell of a lot of pressure on him. He was keeping pace and literally diving in front of um, 
Davila. So I think he deserves a bit of credit for you know making sure that Davila didn't get a didn't get an easy one too. Good seeing um, uh, Zavada back on the field. How, how did you feel he went? Apart from ring rust. Well, I think if you've listened to the commentators, he he basically two footed a guy in the chest and should have been sent off in eight weeks suspension. The yellow card he got. God, they played it up, didn't they? Slight touch of a knee as he jumps up, and it's like, wow, lucky not to be a red card. For for some of the some of the shit they've talked about, clear red cards that they're like, that's madness. And the game's gone crazy, and you're like, it's just a clear red card, and they're like, that's that's never a red card. And then all of a sudden, they're whinging about this sort of one. Like we watched, we watched, you know, David Ball get kicked in the chest full pace the other week. Yellow card. Everyone was happy with that, so. Move on with your lives, boys. Yeah, I've, I've got to say, I, I thought there was a definite yellow card. As soon as I saw him lifting his knee and going for that, it's just like, dude, just no. Why? I, I mean, I know he's not going to be picking up, you know, his quota of yellow cards, but and he is a bit of a filth merchant at times. But yeah, just seemed a bit, uh, a bit overt, shall we say? Not, not the dark arts. It was just very much in the spotlight. I mean, he was only off for like what, about fifteen minutes, I guess if you include a few time. And I guess at that point we were necessarily camped in our half, but we didn't really have too many sort of we weren't exactly flooding players forward where we were um, at that stage, so we didn't really have that much contribution. But it'd be nice if he uh, stays injury free from now on because he's missed, I see, two thirds of a season, I think already. Mm. Yeah, it's definitely feeling like we didn't see a lot of him this season. But obviously there's another opportunity next week uh, or this week. Midnight game versus Perth. Um, always great viewing, that one. As far as injuries go, there's potential that uh, maybe Cryev and Payne are back, though uh, Pennington is, this is a quote, highly unlikely. I don't know who it's a quote from. Um, who's it a quote from, Dale? That was uh, Chief in the post game. Those he said maybe Chief and Payne. I guess Rufa, they probably didn't know the extent of that stage. Sutton Do we know what uh, Rufa's done? It's another contusion, apparently. Contusion. It's like their How do you get a contusion in warm ups? Did he kick himself? So they're contagious at the, the squad at the moment. Yeah, you gotta wonder. Mm. Um anyway. Uh, so that's hopefully might reduce the number of uh, issues at the moment. Um, God knows going over to Perth on that flight and on the way back is a bit of a mission, especially if you've got your carrying a nickel. They they have travelled straight from Sydney, so hopefully the midnight kickoff is not so bad in their, mm. in their bodies because they would be over there for five days already. Yeah, I, I thought that was a decent idea although coming back will be murder it's a hell of a hell of a time shift um hopefully that doesn't catch them there but hopefully three more points in the bank and the chasing teams shitting the bed again would be very nice uh on to the women um speaking of teams with uh personnel issues jesus wept this is a tough one with Injuries to, in fact, I don't even know if I can go through the injuries. Uh, Speckmeyer was out. We had all of the Football Ferns players out. Um, so that was Macy Gray, I think was it. Um, not Macy Gray. Macy. Jesus. <laughs> Macy Fraser. 
Uh, I'm not sure if Macy Gray can play, but she definitely doesn't play for the Phoenix. Um, So Macy Fraser, I believe, is carrying an injury. We had um, Flea, Michaela Foster, Kate Taylor. Barry. Mackenzie Barry. Oh, Breedwoods? Yes. Yeah. So I think all up there were nine nine players out if you include the two sort of ACL long run injury, which is, you know, almost a almost a, a starting eleven. You know, like all those players mm. you could make a pretty solid case for yeah, for being in the preferred eleven, I suppose. I mean, let's go through that starting lineup and let's see if you can actually recognise half the names. We had uh, Riley Foster, Anzo McMeekin, uh, Rebecca Lake, Yeber, Davidson, uh, Mickey Robertson getting a start, Brazendale, who I've never seen play before, Breslin, Maine, Wynnum getting a start, and Cox. So if that's what the starting lineup is, you can imagine how thin that bench was. A lot of debuts coming. Um, yeah, we're looking at Lake, Jaber, uh, Robertson, Brazendale, and Wynnum, all not normally starters for this team. And that's not even including the, as you say, the ACLs. Yeah, I mean, the the, the back line was not too dissimilar from a, a couple of weeks ago, wasn't it? I think um, when we had a few people out, was it with the Ferns or coming back from Chile or, or something? And they performed, was against, might have been Western United when they performed really well. Oh, no, Canberra uh, performed really well. But yeah, the, um, I guess the midfielders, a little bit light with, you know, Brazendale, I think Breslin and Wynnum kind of going in there. That's it's quite a bit different to sort of, you know, Longo, Longo Fraser and um, Kate, Taylor. Kate, Kate Taylor. Like that's quite a big step down. And if, if, that's a big step down in midfield where the game can often be controlled. Um, it's not surprising that they finally had a, a loss that wasn't by one one goal. Yeah, I've got to say I got to watch um, nearly all of this game waiting for the um, men's team to play and then watch the rest later. This was a frustrating watch. I don't know how Temps was taking it. He certainly seemed positive from his shouting on the side of the pitch. But it does feel very much like they're still in the two you know two separate teams there's the team that plays in New Zealand and the team that plays in Australia because even the established players were just making some horrible unforced errors turning the ball over and when you've got such new players you just can't put them under that pressure is it you know how do you fix this what what do you think the problem is to to be brutally honest in this one i think there's just a gap in quality um, you know, I think this is a, this is you playing a team that are very good at, with a team that are not so good. You know, you've essentially got a second string out there. If anything, knowing how many players we have out, it's it's impressive how many kind of recognized starters we actually still manage to have in the squad. Because you you look at those names, you, you're thinking with nine players out, you, you you list them all off, and you think who we even have left, who's going to start. But there's still there's still some familiar names in there. There's still the core of something there with some fringes, fringe players coming in to fill the gaps. They're big gaps and they're important positions, but it, it just didn't look like a team that even, even if they'd played their best game, they might have only been on par with Western, in my opinion. Um, so, it, you know, it, it was a tough watch. It, it's a tough away trip 
at every away trip at the moment. So I, I don't think it's a big surprise, but I don't think this is, you know, we change this with some tweaks and tactics or something like that. Some of that, you just need your personnel back and you need them to be playing with better form. Start this game, you said this is just a free pass. You're not expecting anything out of it. Western United, are they? Top, I think they're top now at the table. Um, they're top yeah, now. Yep. Good run of form. Yeah, lots of lots of players. I guess I think the the only good thing to come out of this is that we weren't playing a team in and around us, and that this was gifting another team three points. Yeah, because the top team doesn't matter. We're not in contention there. But if it went to someone who was fourth, fifth, or sixth, you'd be a bit more annoyed by the lack of lack of yeah. personnel there. So the question for me now is, you know, both Fraser and Longo came back from the Ferns early because of injury. Speak part also injured, no real kind of understanding of, you know, that team has a week off next week with international break. Go figure. Um, <laughs> how the extent of those injuries and whether they're back or not, because if those three aren't back, we're still in a situation of having three quite key players not in that squad for another another week and another tough, tough game to Perth who have similarly been sinking like a stone the last few weeks and have dropped down to the middle of the pack after being near the top with us near the start. That, as you say, the international break is just, it's an absolute ball breaker, isn't it? I mean, we've had to play three games without these all these football ferns and then it's like they come back and then there's the international break. I mean, I'm. how does the scheduling work? Do we just... I mean, I know this is OFC and... I mean, it's outside their hands, right? You know, FIFA FIFA set up windows for internationals to be played. If, if confederations and whatever decide to play international games outside that, who's who's went to fix it, you know? It is what it is sometimes. I mean, the other thing is, like, a bunch of ferns didn't come back for this game because it's not inside a window, so then it falls on the Phoenix to do the heavy yeah. lifting because of that, and a couple of players from yeah. you know, Melbourne City and uh, Perth and Canberra, maybe. Flow-on effect to, to us because... 100%. Is it just know. kind of deliberate, just to kind of level out the playing field or something? Just like, yeah, all the other players are amateurs so they can time off as time off. Come up with all your own conspiracies, you know? It just seems really weird. There's an international window right there if you just had the game a week later. Yeah. Just annoying that, you know, we're the a team that's trying to get this trying to get their women's program sorted and professional and going has to kind of deal with this as well. You know, something that is beyond their control. We can kind of go over the game if you like, gents, but I, I don't know that there's a tremendous amount to kind of say other than I think Dave's spot on. Just the, the difference in quality was noticeable and quite definitive in the end um we did see uh kelly brown getting more ga- uh, game time uh, manaya elliott strangely enough was on the bench i guess that's just because of mcmeekin now being showing that she's capable of playing wide midfield and just bullying <laughs> defenders uh we also saw a debut for errington uh replacing brazendale uh, another academy grad i take it opportunities i guess for some of these younger players to kind of get a feel for this and learn what the step up is sorry i said they'll turn to perth next week um after the break is actually melbourne victory and then then perth the two away games before 
three home games and then another away game. So, yeah, they're, they're four points off the six. They probably need to win one of these two away games, I think, to keep themselves in touching distance. Otherwise, I think the difference is going to be tough. Yeah, Melbourne victory will be a tough one, but, you know, Perth, they haven't won in their last five either. But it's still away, Dale. And we still have that issue that they just don't look the same team when they're away. Yeah, it's also a, mid- a midnight game as well for them as well. So, but I mean, they'll be imagine they'll be going from from Melbourne there. So, but yeah, I mean, I hope so. But I mean, would they? Because some of these, I mean, they stayed in Australia a couple of times already this season. So, yeah, I just don't know what the you know how much how much work some of the players actually have to do back home. Yeah. They work in the mines for a couple of days. Might might pay more more than their more than their salary. A couple of months' salary, yeah, perfect. <laughs> yeah, definitely sounds like a Tony Sage plan. Fortunately, he's not in charge over there anymore. He had a couple of choice words to say about the new owners. Bless him. Oh, delightful young man. May have been a bit sarcastic there. As you've mentioned, there an international break. Um, I guess the good thing is it's an extra week for players like Fraser. Um, and Speckmeyer to get over their injuries, hopefully, uh, and for uh, attempts to kind of get that squad back humming. I'm trying to find some positives here, guys, but I, I'm really struggling just to see the the drop off. And who was it that said it's the hope that gets you? All members of the Yellow Fever. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, if you want to, if you want to look for positives, though, I think I think realistically, we there were patches of the game where we held our own, which given how depleted we were, you know, um, there was a good chance in the first kind of half hour that fell to Maine. That could have been the opening goal of the game. And maybe maybe things turn out a little different if that goes in. But chances were few and far between. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's fair to say. There weren't, there weren't a lot of them, but it wasn't like we were completely outplayed and never had a shot. We had moments. Yeah. Yeah. There was one to Mickey Robertson that really had me pulling my hair out. It's just like I wanted to succeed so much. But just fluffed through lines, didn't didn't take the shot when she needed to. But yeah, as you say, there were there were patches, but then they were kind of closely followed by the the, the not so good patches. That consistency hopefully gets ironed out uh, as these players get more experienced. Um, with nothing further to discuss, we will cut this pod uh, short by a good six minutes. Sorry about that. But it's quality content, not the quantity that matters. And it means that Dale can do an extra special job editing it before he crawls into his bed uh, and hopefully doesn't get disturbed by toddlers. Um, thanks for listening. Uh, hopefully we'll be talking another six, another three points for the men's and uh, a good in, uh, good international break for the women. Um, until then, bye.